Do aliens exist and are they among us? Are weird creatures lurking in the darkness? Do evil entities hide in the shadows of your bedroom while you sleep? Join us as we explore all this and more on the Warped Reality Podcast. <laughs> What's going on all you crazy ghost enthusiasts out there? It's your boy Ghost Joe. Welcome to the Warped Reality Podcast. This is episode 8, also known as the Halloween Special. I have an awesome episode for you guys tonight. We're going to talk some spooky stuff. We're going to talk about some Halloween stuff. We're going to talk about some witch stuff, as well as a great interview with Miss Shauna Stoker, who is the founder of The Ghoulish Garb, a practicing witch, and a tarot card enthusiast. So please stay tuned for that. So let's talk about a little bit about Halloween, all right? So Halloween was actually a tradition originated with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints. Soon, All Saints Day incorporated some of the traditions of Samhain. The evening before was known as All Hallows' Eve, and later Halloween. But we all know what Halloween's all about. It's about getting candy, dude. I mean, come on. Candy. Candy's awesome. That's all I have to say about Halloween today. Happy Halloween, everybody. So I was sitting on this story for a little while. Um, I was going to use it in my last show, but I figured since uh, I'm going to be doing a Halloween episode, this is a perfect episode to do this in. So have you guys ever heard of Dorothy Good? Dorothy Good was the youngest person to be accused of being a witch in the Salem Witch Trials. She was only four years old. Dorothy, uh, daughter of Sarah and William Good, she was accused by Mary Walcott and Ann Putnam, claiming she was deranged and repeatedly bit them as if she were an animal. When authorities questioned her about it, she confessed and she said that she had seen her mother talking with the devil. Her mother was also one of the accused, actually one of the first to be accused. Dorothy was jailed from March 1692 up until uh, her father was able to make bond and get her released by December 1692. Dorothy was never convicted of her suspected witchery, but she lived a tortured life with many psychological issues uh, due to her imprisonment, of course. Dorothy's mother, who, as I said, was one of the first to be accused of being a witch, was eventually hanged on July 29th, 1692. In 1710, William Good successfully sued the great and general court for health and mental damages done to Sarah and Dorothy, uh, ultimately receiving 30 pounds sterling, one of the largest sums granted to the families of the witchcraft victims. That's crazy, right? I mean, just the, the whole thing about, about the Salem witch trials, it, it was just it was just nuts how... Uh, you know, oh, I, I saw that person doing this, or I saw that person doing that, or I, I saw them speaking to the devil, or, it, it, and, and just everybody just believed everybody. That's, but, they, but then they didn't believe the person that was the logical one, the logical one that was saying, I, I didn't speak to no devil, you know, like it's, it, that whole thing was just a mess. I mean, a lot of people passed away and you'll, you'll hear, uh, of course, April talk about it in a little while on April's creepy corner. So definitely check that segment out. 
But first, let's get into some horrible reviews. So in this one, you know, it is a Halloween episode, so I figured I would review the new... No, I'm not going to review the new Halloween Kills movie. Maybe in another episode, but I felt that was a little too cliche. So I'm going to review the episode one of the new Chucky TV series on Sci-Fi and USA. Now, at the time of this recording, um, only the first episode has been out. So that's what I'm going to give my review on. Spoiler alert, though, by the way, if you don't want to know anything at all about it. But I don't really give too much away. So I really enjoyed the first episode. Um, Chucky is voiced by the original voice actor, Brad Dourif. And uh, let me tell you, he he's still got it. That laugh, the sarcasm, and his deranged sense of humor are all intact in the series. The show follows a, a teen named Jake Weber, uh, who lives with his dad uh, after his mom dies in a fatal accident. His dad is an alcoholic who is extremely bitter and ashamed of himself and his son. Uh, Jake is a loner with a very artist, artistic mind. Uh, he's a recluse who gets bullied and humiliated by pretty much everyone in school, except for a few. Um, he, he picks up Chucky at a yard sale, and of course, hilarity ensues. Uh, here's a little Easter egg for you, by the way. If you look closely at that scene, you can see the back of Jennifer Tilly walking around. Uh, let me just point out... Tilly is 62 years old, by the way. Uh, wow. Anyway, I, I don't want to give too much away, although I don't really have too much to tell anyway. Uh, but I've always loved the Child's Place franchise. Um, well, I, I could have done without Seed of Chucky, uh, but I've always loved them. Uh, the first one's great, the second and the third, and I absolutely love Bride of Chucky as well. Um, here's a fun fact, though. A seat of Chucky was oddly playing in the hospital waiting room when my wife was giving birth to my second daughter. Um, <laughs> coincidence? I, I, I hope so. All right, guys, so let's now check in with our very own April for April's Creepy Corner. Take it away. Hello, spooky friends. This is April's Creepy Corner, and in this episode, we are talking all about the Salem Witch Trials. So I just got back from a delightfully scary trip to Salem, Massachusetts, and if you have never been there, I highly, highly recommend it, particularly during the month of October when the entire city seems to come alive, and with lots to do like ghost tours, candlelit night walks, museums galore. My favorite happens to be the Ouija Museum with an incredible and informative owner psychics, trolley rides, restaurants, and of course there is no shortage at all of witchy shops to find that perfect spell to bring home. It really is just a super fun place and a great time for all ages. Now let's dive into a little haunted history, shall we? The Salem Witch Trials were a series of hearings and prosecutions of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts between February 1692 and May of 1693. More than 200 people were accused. That was both men and women. 30 were found guilty and 19 were executed by hanging, 14 women and 5 men. One other man, Giles Corey, was pressed to death by heavy boulders placed on top of his chest while he refused to plead guilty, and at least five people died in jail. And there were other practices they engaged in that were just downright crazy and completely vile, like witch cakes, for instance. 
So it was believed that the person's essence could be found in their urine. So they took the witch's pee, or alleged witch's pee, mixed it with flour, and baked it into a little loaf. And then they would feed it to a dog. And when the dog's teeth ripped through the cake, the pain would be transferred to the witch, and she would writhe in pain. The dog would unfortunately then be killed, and the witch would be exposed and prosecuted. Eventually, the colony admitted that the trials were a mistake and compensated the families of those convicted. Can we say too little too late? (laughs) Since then, the story of the trials has become synonymous with paranoia and injustice, and it continues to beguile the imagination more than 300 years later. And the stories really do baffle the mind. In 1692, a nine-year-old girl, Elizabeth Paris, and her 11-year-old Abigail Williams began having fits, including violent contortions and uncontrollable outbursts. The local doctor came to see them and diagnosed them both with bewitchment. Other girls in the community began to exhibit similar symptoms, and later arrest warrants were issued for Paris's Caribbean slave, Tichuba, whom the girls accused of bewitching them. The hysteria spread through the community and even beyond into the rest of Massachusetts, and a number of others were accused. The trials soon began to overwhelm the justice system, and it wasn't until 1693 that the trials began to dwindle. But the painful legacy of the Salem witch trials endured well into the 20th century. And it's really no wonder why Salem and hauntings go hand in hand. There's just so much emotion, history, and negative energy lingering there that it is reported that the majority of homes, apartments, stores, buildings, etc. experience some degree of paranormal activity. And of course, the number one question is, well, what started all this to begin with? And, I mean, what caused this outbreak of symptoms that spread like wildfire? Although there is no sure answer to that, we have a few guesses. Girls during that time period were not encouraged to be educated or even play outside or be frivolous like boys were. They were generally confined to the house doing tedious chores. No wonder why they started acting out. In an effort to explain the hysteria by scientific means, the strange affliction suffered by the bewitched residents, a study published in Science Magazine in 1976, cited the fungus ergo, found in rye, wheat, and other cereals, which toxicologists say can cause symptoms like delusions, vomiting, and muscle spasms. Or perhaps there was something truly otherworldly going on. We will never know for certain, but what we do know is that these poor souls did not deserve the treatment they got. There are still modern witch hunts that go on today, just different in nature. Let's take this as a reminder to be kind to one another and never jump to conclusions. So thanks for listening to April's Creepy Corner. Stay spooky. Thank you so much, as always, April. That was an awesome segment. Um, yeah, like like I said before, that whole thing with the uh, Salem witch trials was just so messed up. Um, and thank you so much for all that history on it. Um, so right now we have an awesome voicemail. Um, it came in anonymous because he didn't say his name. Um, but uh, yeah, check it out. It's pretty creepy. And I'll share my thoughts after you hear it. So here you go. Hello, Ghost Joe. I've been I've been a longtime listener of the Warp Reality podcast, and I, I'd like to share a, a little little spooky thing that happened to me and my friend. Uh, it it was like nine o'clock at night, and we just got through working out, and we were walking back uh, to my car and his in the parking lot, 
and he he saw some run under a car. He, he said it was like a cat or something. And and we looked under, and there's nothing there. He could, and he like kept like he kept like arguing with me, like yeah, there was a cat. And we looked everywhere, and we couldn't find it. So uh, on the he said on the way uh, back to his house, he kept hearing like like a cat like uh, meow in like his back seat, and he kept turning around, but he he never he never could find anything. And then like he went he went to go to bed and he like heard like clawing at his door like at like two in the morning when he woke up. Uh and this this kept happening for like two months. And he, he kept like telling me all these stories about like how he'd open the door and then the the scratching would stop. And then like uh one day uh we found like a cat corpse in his backyard and he was like, well, I, maybe, maybe that was it. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, uh, and on the podcast. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with that. Goodbye. Thank you so much for that awesome voicemail. And I, totally appreciate you uh being a longtime listener and i hope you continue to listen i hope i continue to bring you uh some great content um and please keep calling listen if you guys have an experience that you'd like to share please 845-379-1331 um or you could email me at ghostshowny at gmail.com you could always do it anonymously just as this uh gentleman had done um so let me give you my little thoughts on this so I, uh, you know, it, could it have been a real cat? Uh, well, I mean, the way that your friend uh, had described it when he was opening the door and it wasn't there, uh, I, I don't think cats could go invisible, you know? So I definitely believe that there was definitely something there, um, which is which is crazy. I mean, but at the same time, listen, uh, as you'll hear from my interview in a little while with uh, Shauna Stoker, she actually talked about this too. Uh, and even ghost cats as well. Um, listen, there's some cultures, and I'm not knocking any cultures, but there's some cultures that believe that animals don't have souls. And to me, I mean, you could look into an animal's eyes, uh, any animal, I mean, even even a fish, and you could you could see that there's something there. So, um, yeah, I, I believe that it definitely could have been, maybe it was a, uh, a, a cat, a, a ghost of a cat, that uh, followed your friend home and, you know, just wanted to play or something, you know? Um, and maybe that uh, when he found that corpse of the cat, it was, or maybe it was leading him to that corpse so he could find that corpse and maybe that is what made it, you know, finally go to its uh, final resting place, you know? But yeah, man, that, that was an awesome story. Um Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, if you have any more, don't uh, don't hesitate to give me a call back. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. So now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Well, probably not really, but it's a cool segment. I, I, I enjoy it. You know, maybe not the best, but okay. Anyway, uh, this one is called I Read It on Reddit. So let's go. This one's entitled Demon Girl. 
I live in a small town in rural Australia. I'm a cyclist and I coordinate sports events, marathons, sell bikes, and gear and whatnot. Around 6 a.m. this morning, I drove my bike up the mountain, and on the way, I passed a woman sitting by the side of the road. At first, I thought she could have been a hitchhiker, but there's no hotels around here, and she had no bags. I stopped my car about 400 meters away from her, grabbed a bottle of water out of the car, and walked down to see what was going on. This is the moment I realized she's one of the most gorgeous women I have ever seen. She was probably about 20. Pale as F, long wavy blonde hair to her hips, and one of those really German-like hourglass figures. German-like? Really blue eyes, like this chick was crazy hot. Was wearing those long summer dresses that beach kids seem to love, which was freaking weird for the middle of the Australian bush. So I'm walking towards her like, oh my god. But I'm also thinking, what the F? I hand her the bottle of water and ask her if she's lost or needs a lift back to town. She just stares. Doesn't take the water. No blinking. I think, oh shit, she's some kind of crazy. So I ask her if she ran away from somewhere and she just said no and hadn't blinked yet. So I ask her if she's waiting for someone to come pick her up and she said no again. I ask her where her house is and she says here. I'm halfway up a mountain. There's no houses around here. So I was kind of starting to get creeped out about this lady. I walked back to my Jeep. Uh, I was going back down to the mountain uh, and call the cops and get them to come sort this lady out. And she follows me. I was like, look, are you sure you don't want me to run you back to town? And she just says no again. So I'm all, look, I don't feel comfortable leaving you here in the middle of nowhere. Please let me take you to the police station. And she just turns around and walks off, off into the bush, miles from anywhere. And I'm just sitting there like, what the F? And then I really started to get scared when the bug and bird noises started to come back. It made me realize that I hadn't heard a single other sound while I was talking with her. Like, no crickets, no early morning sounds at all. I hightailed it the F out of there and called the local cops when I reached the bottom of the mountain. Basically, just said I saw a woman up the mountain who refused to get in my car. And then I realized how effed up that sounded, and I hung up. What the hell could that have been? So, guys, on October 13th, um, Mr. William Shatner, James T. Kirk himself of... Star Trek, of course, uh, became the oldest person at age 90 to ever take a trip into space. Uh, he flown, he, he flew, he flown, flown, flown. He flew on the Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin flight. Uh, it was an 11 minute trip, just as uh, Jeff had done, uh, where they basically just go up into space for a little while, hang out there for a minute, check it all out. And then they come back down. Uh, so Shatner said that he hopes that he can maintain what he was feeling uh, when when he went up there. And he thinks that everyone in the world should try this. And, uh, you know, that uh, it was so profound to see, you know, the blue down there. And then, you know, just blackness above you. 
and he he was he was actually practically uh, brought to tears uh, explaining the whole uh, situation. So, congratulations, uh, Mr. Shatner, for being the oldest person to ever fly into space. So before we get into the interview with Ms. Shauna Stoker, I just wanted to let you guys know to please, please check out WarpRealityPodcast.com. You'll uh, be able to find information on all of our guests, the uh, a blog, uh, a store with some merch, and also all of the links to all of the social media, such as the Instagram, the TikTok, the YouTube, uh, amongst others. So please check all that out. So before starting this interview, I just wanted to let you guys know that it might sound a little weird because I recorded it a little unorthodox using my AirPods and my phone uh, using Zoom because uh, I was on location getting my car inspected and I didn't want to cancel this interview because we've canceled it a few times already, uh, myself and, and Shauna, so... Um, I just wanted to get this out to you guys, so we made it happen. So check it all out. Here's my awesome interview with Miss Shauna Stoker. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Hi. Couldn't hear you before. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, Zoom, Zoom kind of sucks. I got to figure out another way of doing this. <laughs> How's it going? It's good. How are you? Ah, it's It's been crazy. I'm trying to... I was, you know, I didn't want to cancel the interview or push it back because we've done it like three times already yeah. and everything. Um, you know, then I had to get my my car inspected and everything. I said, all right, I'll take my car and I'll find a place to sit down. It turns out that the place <laughs> that I, I'm going to is right on a uh, on a busy road. I'm like, oh man. Oh no. <laughs> so, oh my so gosh. I found a so I found a trail right nearby. So it's a little it's much quieter now. So good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in the back of my hotel. I tried to get them to let me stay another hour, and they were like, "No, we're gonna have to charge <laughs> oh, you." <man>. So, <laughs> wow. So, so how's it going? How's how's everything? All right, it's good. It's good. I've yeah. just been busy. I traveled home helping out with my grandmother, but um, I'm way back to Orlando now, so that's good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How's Florida right now? It's 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 hurricane season, right? Rainy, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's hurricane season still, so just tons of rain, which I'm used to because I'm from the Gulf Coast in Alabama. So, um, like right on the water of like the Gulf of Mexico in the bay, right there, and um, so I'm used to it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's essentially okay. Florida. It's like it's like right it's it's right along the line of the um of the uh, Panhandle, so. Yeah, I'm from New York, so we have, you know, all four seasons. You know, <laughs> I here, would so. love that. That's my plan <laughs> after I'm done with Florida. It's like, okay, maybe Salem, maybe New York. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, somewhere that has four seasons is preferable. <laughs> I'm tired of all the rain and humidity. Let, let's get this out of the way, right? So I saw your TikTok about, about your name, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And you're a descendant of a specific author, Bram Stoker, right? The author of Dracula. Um, have you ever done the family tree? Have you ever like so figured out like we're working on one now because okay. the way that we've always heard about it, I mean, like it was just kind of passed down in the family through stories because um, you know, he 
he had family in Virginia and like that's, that's spoken about in biographies about him. Um, it's well known. It was documented. He wrote letters from Virginia while he was writing Dracula. He wrote parts of Dracula in Virginia, um, while he was visiting the family and everything. So, and my family moved from Virginia in the same area where his family was down to, um, Washington County, Alabama, which is just in the middle of nowhere. I think maybe (laughs) now they have one stoplight. I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) but it was just, you know, they moved down to Alabama and, um, and it was just something that they always carried with them through stories of just being like, yeah, it's just like a part of the family history. Right. Um, and then my uncle had a Bible, a family Bible that, had names going back to the Virginia family. Um, His name wasn't in there, but family that we know he, or that I believe I'm still trying to get all my information (laughs) that I believe he either stayed with or had contact with, I don't know, um, from the Virginia area, their name is in the book. And I have to go back and look because it's been a few years since I found that. Um, But yeah, we're trying to, we're still trying to like go through ancestry. And like, I have another cousin, Susan, who was actually named after Brahms or aunt, I think. Um, But I have another cousin, Susan, who has done a bunch of genealogical recording on all of this and has traveled to um, Ireland, um, to the same area where he actually grew up and has spoken to some relatives over there. So, uh, and we've traced our family all the way back to, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's a little town in Ireland in like 1597, I think. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, we were trying to get it all, you know, like all perfectly recorded, but we have a lot of evidence. And again, it's just been something that I've heard my whole life. Yeah. Big part of my family. Did, uh, did you ever try to write anything like, uh, you know, any kind (laughs) of, scary stuff or anything try to follow in the that, footsteps that, that's funny because that's actually how I found out about this I was in second grade of course second grade um and I've always been interested in just weird macabre things I've had paranormal experiences since well since I can remember um and so in second grade I I at the time was really into I don't remember what the series of books was but it was kind of like haunted history books or something and um I I found them in our library and they were kid appropriate and of course they were about things that kids would be interested in so I had learned about um that supposedly ring around the rosy the childhood you know song uh, or game was inspired the rhyme was inspired by the black plague and i'm i'm just like obsessed with this i don't know i just i could not get that out of my head so in second grade i'm writing i try i I start writing this this little book um and it's a horror story about a little girl like me at the time and i don't remember anything about the plot but i just remember it was called rose red and i watched the movie and i was like well i can't call it rose red now um and i was terrified because i was in second grade um, but, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was visiting my grandparents in Auburn, Alabama, and I was, um, I guess I was working on the story or I was telling them about the story or something. And that's when they like, Oh, you're following in your family's footsteps. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, um, that's when they, that's when they told me about, and I'm sure they'd probably mentioned it before, but I mean, again, I was very young. So that was, that was when it stuck with me that I was related to, to Bram Stoker who wrote Dracula. And of course, nothing ever became of that tiny little book, (laughs) but no, um, as far as these days, I, you know, I recently went to Casadega, which is, uh, in Florida. It's like the international, 
I think like center of psychics or something. It's just this tiny little town that's been taken over by psychics. Um, <laughs> so like they have a bunch of novelty shops. They have a bunch of places where you can just sit down and um, get, you know, have your fortune told or, or whatever, you know, your cards read or whatever. Um, there's lots of places to sit down and, and read and eat and bookshops. And it's just a really cute little place. And I went there and as soon as I got out of the car, I was like, my, my roommate was with me and he was like, let's go over to this bookshop. And I said, I think I need to go over here. Like, I don't know. I just had this feeling. I was like, I think I need to go over there. And they were like, okay, well, I said, no, 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 it's fine. Let's go to the bookshop first. And as soon as I started walking away, I was like, turn around. And I, so I was like, I have to listen to this. He was like, okay, go ahead. And so I turned around and I went to that place that was just like calling to me and I had the best reading I've ever had in my life. Um, and one of the things she told me was that I was going to write a book one day. So who knows? Although technically I have written a book <laughs> for the Polish right. Garbs Terror Tarot oh. Major Arcana deck. Um, there is a guidebook that is, uh, it goes very much, it's not like a narrative book or anything like that, but it's a guidebook oh. just um, explaining you know, our symbolism, how it ties into traditional tarot symbolism, how to read them, um, where the mythology of the creatures that are in our cards comes in. So it's that kind of book, but I don't really consider that as like writing a book, but I guess it kind of did. I don't know. <laughs> so, so let's get into that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the, uh, the ghoulish garb and you know, what you guys sell, you know, the mission and everything? Absolutely. So, um, yes, I am the co-owner and co-operator of the Ghoulish Star. We have just entered into our third year of operation, which is why I finally was able to um, comfortably come out and talk about, you know, the whole Stoker heritage. I didn't want to do that until I knew that it, that we could stand on our own two feet first by ourselves. Um, and we have. We've really thrived over the past three years. And our main focus has been our tarot designs, which we never anticipated. Um, we started this out as just being a t-shirt company. We were just going to make t-shirts and designs for t-shirts. And then that expanded into other clothing, into tapestries and phone cases and posters. And the more that we saw our designs... Um, really thriving on the market. And the more, I mean, we just got flooded with emails and messages about, you know, when are you going to come out with a deck? We need this as a deck. Can I buy this as a deck? Um, and that was incredible and overwhelming because it takes a long time for us to make even one design. And there's so many, um, <laughs> but yeah, we, that was when we were like, okay, we have to do this. So we really buckled down, um, in our first year of operation to decide, okay, we're going to make a deck, but we wanted, like I said, it takes a long time for us to make one card. Um, anywhere between two to four weeks is the whole process because my, my partner and I who own and operate the business, um, we aren't artists in that way. I'm a very visual thinker and a very visual person. Um, I'm a, I'm a musical person, but I wish I could, I wish I could do visual art, like put what's in my mind on the paper, but I can't. Um, but we found this incredible artist who we worked with and what we do, the reason it takes so long is because my, my partner and I, we decide everything for the card to make sure that it is our art 100%. Um, so, I mean, everything down to, I want her foot angled this way. I want her hair, this color with this texture. I want, you know, the sky in the background needs to be this hue of blue going into this hue of purple. Like, I mean, everything is, is written down. So my roommate, I mean, my roommate, listen, my uh, partner and I, we usually spend about eight to 20 hours just coming up with a concept and getting like source material pictures and everything that we can help our artists with. Um, 
And then I, I take all of that and all of our meeting notes and I write up a full, you know, description, like I said, as detailed as possible. And then I send all of that, all of our description notes to my, and all of our pictures to our artist. He takes that, sends us a sketch after about a week. Um, and then we revise the sketch, send those notes to him. He sends us another sketch revision. Uh, we send more notes. He sends us a final. If we have any more notes, we get one more edit and that's it. But it takes a long time because we are perfectionists. We know what we want and we have a, I have a very, very clear vision of what I've got like in my head. So, you know, and my, and my, my, um, partner does a really good job too, of trying to like come up with a Photoshop mock-up of that. So we can kind of show him what we're thinking in a really very strange way. It, It works for us that we've been doing it for a while now. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so much fun. And, and we only have the major arcana right now, which is, um, 22 cards. Um, but we did come out with a bonus 23rd card for our recent release of the terror tarot deck in the shadow edition, which is the black and white version. It's gorgeous. Um, and so we added a bonus card for that since it was a special, a special release, but yeah, the full, the full card, I mean, the full deck, the minor arcana that will be coming, but it'll be a few years away. Uh, because it's a lot of cards, <laughs> but we hear, I, we get, I mean, I get an email at least once a day saying, Hey, do you have any plans for the minor arcana? Because I need the minor arcana. <laughs> so right now I just tell people, you know, you can use these as an Oracle deck since it's just the major arcana. Um, and you can, you know, use them to like get clarification on readings or use them in, you know, in conjunction with other decks. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to get the full decks out. I think it's going to be a tremendous success for the business. So, so you know how to use the tarot cards? Oh like, yeah, can, I love tarot. Can you can you tell me a little? Because I've never actually seen them work yeah. or you know anything about them. Can you tell us a little bit about like how you work them? How you know what they are, what they do? Absolutely. So, the tarot deck that pretty much most people start off with or are going to be familiar with, even if you don't know tarot is the writer Smith weight deck. That was, I believe 1927 was when it was um, released, but it was in, you know, early 1900s. And um, that's kind of the like most iconic deck. And it wasn't meant to be a tarot deck. It was supposed to just be playing cards, but you know, of course (laughs) we, uh, we witches take things and make it our own. And so um, basically the way that tarot works, a lot of people think it's supposed to tell your future. I personally don't believe that. I don't believe that there is some divine hand necessarily, uh, mm. that's just going to show you your future because tarot is all about symbolism and reading the symbols. That's one of the reasons I love it because you, it's all up to interpretation. You can take my tarot deck that we've created, um, and you can not even look at the guidebook if you don't want to and just look at the cards and see what the symbolism says to you. So for instance, the way I've, or the way that we've written and drawn it, um, you know, for us, like we might have a, a, a decrepit old tree that means something to us, but you might see it and it might call to a memory or something in your mind or something that you associate with this old tree, maybe a place in your home, maybe a person, you know, and, and that might mean, that might be the meaning of this tree in this deck for you. So, um, for me, it's less about trying to tell the future and more about 
helping you uncover the questions or the answers that you haven't quite thought of yet. So for instance, you know, say you have a question for the tarot um, and it's something about, I have two jobs that are ahead of me, you know, that I've got that I could take. I don't know which one to take. I don't know which one's best for me. Um, can you help guide me? You know, and you're asking these questions and I do believe in spirit guides too, but I don't believe they're exactly pulling the cards for you, you know? Um, but yeah, so you might want to ask that question. And then really I try to get my, you know, when I'm doing a reading for myself or for others, I try to get whoever is involved in the reading to really meditate on that question and to put their energy on that question while we're, while we're working through the cards. And, um, usually I, I allow people to pull for themselves those first three cards, because I feel like you need to feel the energy of the cards. And then from there, you know, you might see symbolism that is telling you or to you <laughs> that is saying, you know, maybe take a risk and maybe you already know what that risk is, which, which one of these options is the riskier option. And you're just afraid of taking the risk, you know? And by seeing that card, it's almost like the coin flip psychology. By seeing that card, you already have determined how you feel about that, how you feel about that option. Do you know what I mean by coin flip mm -hmm. psychology? Okay. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. And so, so, you know, you're not necessarily making the, the coins, not necessarily going to make the decision for you, but it will uncover what decision you wish it would make. And gotcha. that is the thing with tarot. It helps uncover those bits that we aren't quite in tune with every day. And that's one of the reasons why I love it as a, as for me, as a, as an option for self-care and, um, and self-reflection, I try to do a, a card pulling every day and, you know, just kind of see what I'm feeling and what, what I feel like maybe the universe is trying to tell me that day. But again, I don't believe that it's just a hard and fast, here's what's going to happen in your future type of a thing, which is right. a lot of, you know, a lot of the misconception of tarot. That's true. Um, so the other thing that um, I remember reading about you and you had said in your TikToks and stuff that um, you're a practicing witch, right? Yes. Now, I, the only thing I know about you know, which is the, the craft movie from 1994, <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. really the only thing I, I really know about that stuff. Um, you know, and when I had asked you about Wicca or the Wiccan religion, you said that they're kind of different or you could be a witch and not, not be Wiccan. Like, what yeah. do you exactly mean? Like, what, can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. That is a, that's a common misconception because of pop culture, which is totally fine. Um, a lot of people think that if I, okay, I say I'm a witch, that means I'm a wicked. Now, so this is kind of one of those things where all witches are, or sorry, all Wiccans are witches, right? They identify as witches from what I understand, because um, I'm not a Wiccan, but all witches are not Wiccans. So witchcraft is not, um, it's not associated with any one particular religion. If you look back historically uh, at different religions and, and just I just throughout history of, of, of lore and literature, then you will see that pretty much every single religion has a version of witches. And the thing is, I have friends who are witches who practice uh, Judaism. I have friends who are actually my uncle who helped teach me about witchcraft uh, is a practicing Jew. And I have friends who are secular like me who practice witchcraft, who don't necessarily work with any particular deity. Um, 
I personally, I have a friend who's a Satanist who's a witch. I've got a friend who's a Christian who's a witch. Like I have a bunch of different friends who have, uh, who call themselves witches and who practice witchcraft on a daily basis, but they also practice different religions or no religion at all. Um, and so the way that works is, you know, witchcraft is essentially all about taking control for your, of your life, taking control of the energies that surround you and saying, you know, I don't have, I have more control than I think I do. Now that's not to say, cause I know a lot of witches, <laughs> I don't know them personally, but I've, I've heard a lot of, uh, especially new age witches who are like, you know, you don't need, you don't need your depression medication. You just need to focus on your energies. And I'm like, no, I need my depression medication. So I can focus on my energies. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, right. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those. I have a lot of, I have a lot of mental health, you know, issues with depression and anxiety and PTSD. So I am medicated. <laughs> um, but I also, I also believe that, you know, on a day-to-day basis, um, I can do energy work and I can work with my own, like manipulating the, um, the energies within myself and around me in order to kind of get more in balance. It helps. So for me, it's, you know, it's not uh, a way of getting rid of, you know, the medication or any of that new age stuff. It's, it's more about just much more in line with traditional witchcraft, um, older witchcraft. I'm a pagan witch personally, which pagan is anything that's not Christian traditionally, but, um, but I do, I do, I do technically call myself like a pagan witch, um, just because I very much am focused on, like I said, energies and I'm, I'm into animism. Are you, do you know what animism is? No, no. Okay. So animism is just the idea that pretty much everything has a spirit, right? Um, so I believe animals, you know, I grew up Christian. I grew up in Alabama. So of course I grew up Christian. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, I, I grew up specifically Southern Baptist Christian and I was taught that animals don't have souls and I've never, Mm. I've always, I've always been an animal person and I've always believed you can look into their eyes and see it. Like you can, you know, right. like if I have a soul, they have a soul. If I, if they don't have a soul, I don't have a soul. Like that's how I feel about it. Right. Um, right sure. And you know, and I, I, the same thing with, with plants, I feel this energy. I mean, everybody, there's an energy to nature. There's an energy, you know, even, even things that aren't alive, but are mineral, like rocks, you know, crystals, things like that. There is they, they carry energy, they hold energy and that energy is all around us. We hear that, you know, in, when we study science that no energy, no matter can be um, created or destroyed. Right. And I believe the same thing happens. I think the same thing, I think that that pertains when we think about our souls uh, or when we think about the energy that we carry, like, you know, there's a reason I believe in ghosts. I've had experiences and I think that that energy that hasn't been destroyed or hasn't been moved on to another source stays behind. Um, so anyway, animism is just, that's a very quick rundown of animism, just basically Hmm. that everything has a spirit, a soul. And that that's a huge part of my belief and of my practice as a witch of just respecting myself, respecting the nature around me, respecting other people and animals. Um, I'm, I, I do eat meat. (laughs) I used (laughs) to not, I was a vegetarian and a vegan for a while, but, uh, I, I got weak. I dreamt about cheese a lot. So, but I try to, you know, I just try to be respectful and I try to thank my meals and I know that sounds silly, but, but, but you know what I mean? It's just all about respect. It's about, um, 
the flow of the energies. And it sounds so silly, but it is, that's, that's essentially the, the source of it all for me. So, so you mentioned it a couple of times about having a, uh, a paranormal experience, um, mm-hmm. you know, people, people that are in, you know, that have to do with the paranormal or, you know, our kind of field, I guess you could say we, we've, a lot of us, we've gotten into it or interested in it because we've had paranormal experiences. Um, can you share one of yours? Yeah, sure. Um, the first one that actually sticks out to me, like the first one that I fully remember that will never leave me because I know I've had experiences my whole life, but I'm a skeptic at like by nature, um, mm-hmm. which is why it took me such a long time to really embrace this part of myself. Um, the witchcraft, the paranormal, all of that, because I do try to debunk everything and I try to you know, I don't just take something that's spooky and say, oh, it's a ghost, you know, <laughs> or I might, I might in a silly way, but I'm immediately going to be like, okay, let's create, let's like recreate this. Let's turn the AC back on. Let's like try to figure out if it's humidity or whatever, a pipe or something. But the one that I absolutely, I know I was awake and I cannot ever get this image out of my mind. I was eight years old. And this was when I finally knew like, okay, you can see things. <laughs> um, I was eight years old. And at the time I was, uh, our, my bedroom had actually used, it, it used to have been, uh, it was a, an office space in this new house that we had bought. Cause my, it was me, my mom, my stepdad and my sister. And so there was a bedroom upstairs for my parents. There was a bedroom next door for my sister. And then I was the youngest. So I got the, the room that had no doors, which is fine. Um, so my bed was facing I had just this little like twin bed and it was catty corner in the wall because it was a really small space. And I had, it was like kind of facing this doorway. Like if I was laying down, right. So I'm laying down mm-hmm. facing the doorway, the doorway is going into the laundry room from my sister's room to the bathroom. Like there's a, like a little hallway there or walkway. And I'm laying there. And I just remember like I was reflecting on the day. I couldn't sleep. Um, my cats were kind of going in and out, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden as I'm just kind of staring at the space, this Native American man walks from where my sister's room is into the doorway, stops for just a moment and looks at me. And then he turns back and walks into where the bathroom is. And I covered my head (laughs) and I don't, I just was so scared, but I was also, I was scared because I knew I had seen something. Right. So there's that fear that like, you know, you just saw something that shouldn't have, like, that's not logical at all. You should have seen that. That's you're it's the middle of the night with this, you know, but I sure. knew, first of all, I knew it wasn't a real person. Like I knew it wasn't a man there. So I wasn't afraid like that. But secondly, like I couldn't get this feeling out of my head. Whenever he looked at me, when he turned and looked at me, I had this, like, I felt, oh my gosh, I get like emotional thinking about it. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> he seemed so, he just, I felt so calm and I felt at peace and I felt, um, like he was looking over, not me or anything. Like he wasn't there for me, but like, it was like, he was just kind of surveying his land and I just happened Mm -hmm. to be there and he just looked at me and it was just, but the way he looked at me, the feeling, like I said, it was like, I felt protected and calm which is so, which is also really hard for me to just right. like deal with because I was also terrified at the same time. How does that work? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> it was, 
it was crazy. And I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of, which I see these all, I still, I see these in my new place too. In my old home, I saw a lot of um, shadow cats, hmm. ghost cats, okay. <laughs> I guess. Right, I don't right. Know. You, they could be residual energy from my own cats, you know? I don't know if right. you're aware of like the difference between, uh, you should be, obviously, you know paranormal stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I do a lot of, um, yeah. I do a lot of, I, I have to remember because like my interviews, I'm like, okay, is this a witchy person that knows about witchcraft or a paranormal person or somebody who's just right. interested in the business? Like how much do I have to explain? Um, but yeah, I think that I, that could have just been residual energy from my own cats or it could have been, you know, I believe that animals have souls, which means I believe that they, that ghost animals are a thing. Sure. And, um, yeah, in my new home, my new apartment with my roommate, we, we have seen multiple cats ghost cats we mm. call them we have three cats of our own um but we there's one that likes to curl up behind my bed like behind my and my windowsill where my where I where I sleep behind me and there's one that likes to curl up uh or I think it's the same one he likes to curl up where my other cat curls up on the floor next to him and then there's one that like sleeps in my roommate's room so like we have a bunch of those um but I hadn't, but the funny thing is I hadn't seen them since I was a kid at my other place. So that's, that was wow. interesting, but yeah, I've got so many paranormal experiences. So, 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 so many, <laughs> it's, it's a huge well, part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of them, but the ones that I've had, I, I've seen apparitions. I've had a remote control fly off the table in front of me and just some, some crazy stuff, but yeah. luckily, luckily I haven't had anything you know, as far as I know, to be evil or demonic, it's always been, you know, uh, spirits of, of deceased people. That's at least that's what mm -hmm. I've, I've noticed. But, um, so how, uh, what are you guys working on right now? What kind of endeavors are you, are you doing right now with, uh, with the ghoulish garb or anything? Well, with the ghoulish garb, we've actually been working on, we're working on another major arcana deck. Um, it's not officially named yet, but it's based on goddesses from various, you know, religions and cultures around the world. Um, and we're trying to, we're really trying to include, you know, cultures that might not be um, as popular right now or like as popular on in mass, because I know mm -hmm. most of the witches that I, most of the witches that I work with and that I, that I know personally um, you know, they are looking for designs for Hellenic, which are for Hellenic or, um, Celtic goddesses specifically, but I know other witches who, you know, practice like the Yoruba religion from, um, you know, like Yamaya from, it's like an African Yoruba religion. Um, so mm -hmm. we have her, we've got Isis from, uh, Egyptian mythology. We've got, um, you know, of course we do have our Celtic and our, our Hellenic goddesses as well. I love Hecate. She's one of my absolute favorites. And so we of course have her, she was our first design. I mean, she was our first with this artist. She was our very first design. And, uh, it's, that's why we decided to go back to the goddesses because from, from the Hecate design, we decided to do Halloween tarot, but we, but our Hecate design has been hugely popular so we said okay well let's do a goddess major arcana so um we're working on that now we're hoping that that deck will be released by the end of the year or end of next year excuse me so the end of 2022 um but we do release all of our designs on as we as we finish them which is about once a month we release them on our all of our merch that we can so you can go ahead and like be looking at the designs enjoying them get your phone case get your shirt get your tapestry <laughs> and um and that's a great way to get excited about the deck you know and so, um, it's gorgeous. It's, it, it's the same artist 
style, artistic style that we used for Terra Terra, which is kind of like that woodcut style. But I, we, I specifically really wanted these goddess designs to be more feminine, more soft. Um, and so we kind of worked with him to like tweak his art a little bit to make the lines a little bit more soft. Um, we added glow mm-hmm. effects. It's just, they're gorgeous designs. If you go to our Etsy, which is the ghoulish garb, etsy.com slash shop slash the ghoulish garb, no spaces. Um, If you go there and you just type in the search bar, like goddess, goddess hoodie, goddess tapestry, whatever, then you'll see all of the goddess designs. They are absolutely gorgeous. Some of my personal favorites so far. Um, But I mean, it's so hard for me to choose. I'm very biased. (laughs) <laughs> but that's what we're working on right now. And as soon as we have that out, hopefully by the end of next year, we will be going just crazy balls to the wall for the minor arcana for Terra Terra. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And um, how could somebody get in contact with you? Um, you know, I'm going to put all your, uh, all your links and stuff are going to be on the website as well. But um, you know, on the uh, show notes as well, I'm going to have some, some links, but how could somebody get in touch with you uh, as well as the Google's Garb or anything? Okay. So the easiest way uh, to get in touch with us is actually through Etsy because I run, well, I run all of the social media accounts. I run the Etsy, the eBay, all the customer service. Um, that's the quickest way probably was is through Etsy, but you can also check out my TikTok if you want to um, contact me personally. My email is on there. It's theghoulishgal at gmail.com. Um, so if you're trying to contact me for like interviews or anything like that, um, then yeah, ghoulish gal, the ghoulish gal at Gmail. But if you're contacting me about, um, something for the business or a listing or something like that, then, um, Etsy is probably going to be the the quickest way to get in touch with me or just directly through our Gmail at, um, support at the ghoulish garb.com. All right, great. Well, um, thank you so much for the interview. I'm sorry for the, uh, <laughs> you, you know the weird way that we had to do this today but uh i'm glad we were able to it's to get totally mine it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too me too so thanks again uh thanks again have a good day all right <laughs> thank you so much i hope you have a good day too right, thank you all right bye-bye <laughs> bye bye so that's it, everybody, for my Halloween episode, episode eight of the Warped Reality Podcast. I want to thank Miss Shauna Stoker for the awesome interview. I want to thank April, as always, for your awesome segment. And I want to thank my anonymous voicemail uh, for for the voicemail and for being such an awesome listener. Thank you guys, of course, for listening. And I'm out. Thank you for listening to the Warp Reality Podcast. For more episodes, guest info, social media links, merch, and more, please check out WarpedRealityPodcast.com. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share, questions, comments, or you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can leave me a voicemail at 845-379-1331 or email me at ghostshowny at gmail.com. You can do so anonymously if you'd like. Also, I'd greatly appreciate it if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or WarpRealityPodcast.com. Have an awesome night, everyone, and don't forget to change your shorts.